。看来我们只能靠自己了。地球错失了最后一次的机会。这座公寓不是被毁了。我挖掘了保卫者二货人那在里面拘留的。Hi everyone, and welcome to Middle Earth, your source for insight into China cultural industry. How the cultural business works in that part of the world, told by the one who are in the trenches of creation, production, and distribution. I'm your host, Aladin Faré, and this show is a member of the Sinica Network. Do not forget all the show notes I've been put into the article of subchina.com or directly onto the episode description in your podcast application. On today's Middle Earth case study episode, I'm today with Paul Lewis. Good evening, Paul. Hi, nice to meet you. And thank you for coming on the show, Paul. You are a Canadian. You rise through the rank of CBC, then Discovery Channel Canada, where you ended up as president and general manager. And after that, you run Great Pacific Media. Then you left it, and you founded this year your own company, PL Production. Yes, exactly. Makes me sound quite impressive. Yes, well, that, that's why you are on the show. Perfect. You have the best, the best guests. Okay, so over your, your th almost three decades of a career in documentary, so your first trip to China was in 2006. Yeah, exactly. Um, we had started um, uh, looking into co-productions in Japan and um, had some success there. And um, we thought, uh, let's see if we can uh, recreate that success. In China at the time, and uh, we we thought that it would be uh, we were producing our own content, and uh, we started off thinking that maybe we could come to China and sell our programs and distribute some programs here. So that was the starting point, but it's not really the way it turned out. How did it turn out, and why? Well, at the time, really, um, it was very hard to sell um, programs into China, and nobody was really. Um, paying money to buy programs, uh, really, it was all about um, you know giving um, advertising. You had to come in with a advertiser, and and you'd make your money that way. And that just wasn't a model that uh, we were prepared for, or that we were we were used to. We were kind of disappointed. But then we started to um, to find out about China and um, all the amazing stories that were going on here, and so. Instead of uh, selling programs to the Chinese, we realized that the, the more smarter approach was to uh, to tell the stories about China to our audience, and um, and so that's that's how we changed our tack. So, what are the Chinese stories that you told? So, um, we uh, we came into China just before the Olympics were in Beijing, so we wanted to tell great stories about uh, the fantastic um, uh, engineering and construction that was going on here. Uh, the cube for the uh, swimming events, um, and the uh, the bird's nest, which was such a unique construction, and and uh, we were really impressed with the speed and uh, the efficiency of uh, how things uh, were constructed in China. Um, we wanted to tell the story about the Chinese space program, which uh, our audience didn't have a clue that the Chinese had aspirations to go to the moon and Mars, and stories about Chinese culture. Um, so most of the stories we told were about engineering, technology, um, uh, the um, efforts to control weather was another um, fantastic story. Overall, we had about 
uh, five to six hours of content um, in short segments, uh, 10 minutes each. So we had a lot of stories that we told and, and certainly, um, you know, China's a big enough and interesting enough country to tell a lot of those stories. It was a very, uh, very popular show and we were really uh, pleased with the outcome. We, uh, we knew that we needed a partner um, to operate in China. We needed to get um, access uh, to very sensitive stories. Um, you know, that the space program in China is controlled by the military. And we knew we, as a, as a foreign entity, we couldn't just come in uh, and do that. So we needed, um, we needed the help of a partner. So we actually um, uh, worked um, with the Canadian embassy. And the embassy was really smart. What they did for us is they had a dinner at the ambassador's house. Um, and the ambassador brought um, all of the main, or a lot of the media, main media players in China together. And he talked about how important the relationship was between China and Canada. And um, he, um, he said that it would be a fantastic project um, and bring a, a lot of attention, positive attention to China because Discovery Channel uh, isn't a news organization. It's not a journalistic organization. It, we, we tell entertaining stories. And by the end of the dinner, we literally were in a situation where um, the Chinese were competing with each other to become our partners. Uh, and it was almost like an auction where the ambassador would go, okay, uh, you know, CCTV has um, said that it will supply free archives and, and uh, you know, support. So what about you? Would you? What would you be able to do? And it was a really amazing um, uh, opportunity. Uh, so uh, for anybody trying to get into China, I would say that... Um, you know, don't underestimate the power of uh, your embassy um, and diplomats, uh, both in your home country and in China, to kind of help um, smooth the waters and open things up for you. Just do you think that 10 years later, Chinese media company would still fight that hard? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, probably not to the same extent. You know, I think we were lucky. Uh, the timing was perfect. Uh, Uh, because I think once the Olympics um, came to China, um, it started to to change international perceptions. Uh, I think there's still a lot of misconceptions about China. Um, people still have in their heads, uh, you know, streets filled with thousands of bicycles, and um, and that uh, and everybody's wearing the same, you know, Mao jackets. Um, it's amazing to me that people still have such strong images. Uh, but of course, the country's changed a lot, um, and there are a lot more production companies here knocking on doors and and trying to tell some of those stories. And and of course, ultimately, everybody's trying to make money. But our we we wanted to go in with a bit of a longer term strategy, which was let's not worry about making money at the beginning. Let's uh, open the doors. Let's um, establish some relationships. Um, and get known here. And of course, you know, so many foreigners um, talk to me about coming into China, getting a partner, and then having a bad experience. And it's like, well, what do you expect? You know, you've got to take the time to get to know who the players are here, who you can trust and um, and work with them and and build up a relationship over time. It's it's not something that you can can do quickly. 
Can you talk then about the second big series that you made five years later? Sure. Um, well, we um, uh, Daily Planet Goes to China was such a success. So we wanted to try um, and continue to work with our um, partners, which was continued to be uh, CCTV. We, uh, we proposed a series called um, Made in China, which would um, take a look at, um, you know, the fact that so much of our Uh, goods are manufactured uh, in this country and uh, it was interesting we had a lot of uh, debate about the title because uh, the Chinese felt that somehow made in China was demeaning that it was associated with you know goods that were cheap um, and not good quality but that's just a good example of, of you've got to uh, understand the sensitivities of certain things here and so we had We were uh, flexible and we adapted and we ended up calling it factory made. Um, for us, the appeal was the huge scale of everything here. Like the factories are, you know, massive uh, cities. And, uh, and uh, of course, it wasn't easy because, you know, there was then and there is now still a lot of um, negativity around, um, you know, um, how workers are treated, stories about you know, people throwing themselves out of windows because they uh, are working so hard. And and, um, and so, um, you know, we, we just kept being very uh, upfront and honest about uh, what our intent was. And and really for us, it, the stories were about the, the scale. And um, we, know, we knew our audiences liked uh, manufacturing stories because there was another show... Um, called How It's Made that we commissioned and which was being very successful globally on Discovery Channel. And this was in that same kind of arena, um, except it was on steroids. Uh, it was amped up um, a thousandfold because, um, you know, instead of hundreds of, you know, umbrellas being made every hour, there were thousands and millions being made. So uh, it was a fantastic, uh, a fantastic story. But, you know, our producers saw stuff going on in the factories um, that were a little concerning at times. And uh, we had to put that aside. So, for example, you know, um, I remember there was, um, there was a, um, a safety issue. Uh, there was a um, uh, Uh, some light bulbs were exploding on the factory uh, floor and uh, nobody got hurt, um, but it's not something that we brought attention to. So, you know, you've got to, going into it, got to establish the rules um, and I think stick to them. Uh, you know, sometimes um, our instinct is, is to, to go for the story um, and maybe adjust if we um, see something going on that we weren't expecting. It's like, oh, that's interesting, uh, you know, but you can't really do that in China. Um, it's very difficult and and then you're just not going to get invited back. Yeah, that would be seen as a break of trust. Yeah, exactly. So trust is absolutely uh, very important. For every potential producer or distributor who want to find the trust of China, is there any advice? Is there any tips or lines that we should not cross? Well, starting out, I think you just got to, go and eat a lot of meals and drink a lot of alcohol uh, with your potential partners to really get a, a sense of who they are. I mean, I I think it's part of, or it used to be, I don't know now, but part of the Chinese culture, you know, that you had to get drunk so that they could really see what you were like um, when all of your, you know, guards were down. But I think now it's, um, you know, um, uh, set the ground rules, uh, stick to them. And um, and just um, uh, 
you know, realize that you're not operating um, in a country that, um, you know, has the same attitudes towards media that we're used to. Um, I think coming to China now, you can get kind of lulled into um, thinking that you're in um, just another country. Uh, I mean, you know, we walk around and the shops are familiar and, um, but, but you know, um, there is a, you know, um, some very um, tight, rules about what you can and can't do here and um, and uh, you ignore that at, at your peril and it's important to understand I think um, the politics of the country the um, you know the subtleties of uh, what you can and can't say or how you can say it so uh, and that changes all the time so you've really got to be plugged in and and uh, having uh, people that you trust on the ground in China, um, that can give you advice um, around those things, um, I think is really um, essential. To retalk about Daily Planet Goes to China and Factory Made, so both of those series, you were making a co-production with Chinese public media? Yeah, with uh, the, the Ch uh, CCTV, which is uh, C um, Channel 9, which is the um, uh, the um, you know government um, uh, network, Uh, specifically documentaries, and we were also um, working with their uh, distributor. So the the way the deal worked um, is uh, it wasn't so much financial as it was um, an exchange of resources. So we got uh, f uh, access to their archives. Um, we uh, got logistical support on the ground to help us um, uh, with permits and access, location agreements, all of that stuff. Um, and then um, in exchange, um, they were able to um, distribute our content um, outside of um, China. So um, it really reduced the costs to us uh, greatly. And then they got uh, a content that they could reversion into China as well. So it was a good relationship. But the last project was made in 2011. Now I'm wondering, is there a change in, because of this? Well, I think a bunch of different factors. I mean, you know, um, we uh, we maintain the relationship. Um, uh, we kind of exhausted, I think, um, a lot of the content that we wanted to do. Uh, we maintained relationships uh, with all our partners. Then we were moving on to Brazil and other countries as well. We maintain contact through uh, the markets and the festivals and um and continue to come over here on a regular basis. Uh, CITVC, which is the uh, distribution arm of CCTV, uh, continued to um, distribute our content. And uh, we made some deals um, with some uh, uh, other uh, distributors uh, in China uh, to take our content um, and distribute it for educational purposes in, in schools. You know, the wonderful thing about um, science um, is it's universal. Science program that works well in Canada or the US can work e equally well in China. So our focus changed a little bit. As our goal was, as I mentioned to you earlier, ultimately it was to try and sell content into China. And um, and that's what we started doing. So um, it was um, it was a very successful and it took, um, you know, several years to get there. So mission accomplished. Mission accomplished, yeah. <laughs> Now you are a producer, you run your own company, Yeah. China is on your mind 
10% of the time, 30%, 50%, 80%. So I have to uh, uh, come clean now and admit to you that I'm a bit obsessed by China. <laughs> and um, and so it's uh, it's on my mind a lot. And I, I think the opportunities now have switched um you know, away from the broadcast side and more onto the uh, to digital platforms. I'm really interested in short-form content. And so I've been looking at some uh, stories for the last uh, year that might work in both countries. I think to me that's the huge challenge is coming up with subject matter that's going to work in both countries. Um, and that's not easy, um, but I have, you know, a few ideas that I'll be pitching um, this week and next week here in China but uh, understanding Chinese audience and understanding a Chinese uh, youth is is a bit of a challenge because I don't think um, you know factual content here, documentary content, is maybe as popular as it is in other places. So I, I think that um, you know while there are differences uh, between uh, the audiences, I think actually um, younger audiences are, have got more in common. The you know, my kids who are watching uh, YouTube are probably watching the same kinds of content as uh, the younger people are on Youku um, in China. So uh, I've been, you know, thinking about that a lot and how we um, um, can find some common ground. Well, then all the best of luck. Thank you. Uh, and uh, you too. Uh, it's, I look forward to uh, listening to your podcast. <laughs> listening to yourself. And listening to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Paul, again for coming. Thank you, dear listeners, for sticking until the end credits. I'm really sorry. I realized my voice was a bit down as this recording was done way too late at night after a long day at work. This show is produced and written by Aladdin. Music by Sean Calvo. Designed by Brendan. A really big thank to Zoshan for connecting me to Paul. If you want to connect and support us, you can look at Middle Earth Podcast on LinkedIn, Facebook or WeChat. I guess all of you already have a podcast app, but if you don't want to miss the coming show or listen to the old ones, you can subscribe on Simalaya, iTunes or Spotify. That's how you could listen to one of our old episodes, the number six, comparing Chinese and Western documentaries. Also, I cannot recommend enough Factory City, one of the programs that Paul has made. You can find the link into the description of the podcast. And please do consider leaving a review or a comment wherever you get this show. Always help with the algorithm. Otherwise, hope to see you next time. Middle Earth is an HPV production. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. <laughs>